Welcome to the That's My Financial Guy podcast with Brian Haney, founder of The Haney Company, financial guru who looks great in pants and helps people understand their finances. Welcome to the second That's My Financial Guy podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Haney with The Haney Company, uh, the financial guru uh, who looks great in pants. And I'm going to be talking today about what in the heck do I do? That's the number one question I get asked outside of how in the heck did you get to this event, sir? What do I do for a living? And there are clever, casual elevator pitch things that people can say, but the reality of what I do is I help my clients make the financial decisions that they want to make, but they just don't know how to. You see, there's a lot of information out there, and much of it is conflicting. So it can be really hard to know how to make sense of it. We all want to do the right thing financially. In fact, I've never, <laughs> I've never run into a, a single person who said, eh, I don't really care about money, and if I lose it all, eh, no big deal. We all want to handle things the right way. If we're running a company, we want to make sure the company is profitable. You know, so none of us come to the table thinking that you know we're going to be making decisions that could put us in a worse position financially than before we started. Yet it's you know it's hard to know all of the moving parts and to really see maybe the bigger picture at play. I think a lot of times financial decisions become very tunnel vision. Uh, we feel we need to do this one thing, and this one thing becomes an all-consuming thing. And so part of helping people understand is also helping us step back and have a bigger perspective on things. So I'm going to talk really about the decision-making process, the financial decision-making process, and uh, help create a framework for what it's like to work with a financial professional, whether it's a financial advisor, whether it's an insurance agent, whatever the nature of the relationship that someone might have with our company, I'm going to talk about those engagement points, and hopefully uh, you'll get some ahas that will help you engage with professionals in your own personal uh, arena. Uh, maybe you'll walk away with a better capacity for how to work with somebody in my position. And, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, you listen to this, you might realize that the people you're working with may not uh, be working in a manner that's best for you. And now you'll know how to reassess the nature of that relationship because you need to work with the right partner, somebody that's going to be in your corner helping you make effective decisions. Your financial professional should never be a barrier to you or feel like you don't really know what's going on, but you just trust them. I don't ever want somebody to just trust me or take my word for it. My clients aren't going to walk away financial experts. No, you're not going to turn around uh, and be able to pass some sort of a professional test. But you will have a better connection to what you're doing. You'll have the backing of understanding why you made a certain decision to begin with. You know, when you talk to your friend at the office and then 
you say, oh, you know, I, this is what I did, or you're having some kind of a financial conversation, you actually be able to defend your own actions when somebody looks at you and thinks that you're nuts because you'll know that you're not nuts, that you walked through a process that was specific to you, to your own needs, that lined up with the things that you value, and then you executed things accordingly. And I think everybody should always know that there is no one-size-shoe-fits-all. And I think that's where I begin most uh, conversations in the professional arena. You're going to hear things on television. You'll see things in the media. You can type up whatever you want into Google, and there'll be a ton of things that'll say, everybody should do it this way. Everybody should invest this way. This is the way you should do insurance. X, Y, and Z is the best process, company, et cetera. It's all these, here's what everybody needs to do, or nobody should do this, or you need to avoid that. Variable annuities are bad, and you know, investing in mutual funds is terrible. Only There's all kinds of broad generalizations, very pointed, sweeping statements that get made. And so- how do you make sense of all that? The reality is, first of all, you need to recognize that if there is no one-size-shoe-fits-all, you want to interpret what's being said through a personalized filter. And it's okay to question things. You should question things. And in fact, I think some of the, the best moments of interaction I have with clients are when we maybe have a discussion, maybe even a bit of a disagreement where we're trying to figure something out. Somebody brings something to my attention and says, oh, I read this article by so-and-so who says that I should never do this. And then we talk about it. And you know, we assess that and see what truth it has, if any, and, and what validity it has to that particular situation. So that's probably the first thing that I would encourage you to do. Be comfortable having a fluid conversation with the professionals that you work with. And if there's something that's just bothering you, or if you read something that maybe goes counter to what you've been told or what you feel like you're doing, bring that up. Talk to somebody about it. And don't assume in that conversation that the professional was trying to steer you wrong, but figure out why you did what you did, why that person made the recommendations that they made and helped you execute things according to the plan that they laid out. Because that always has to come back to a process of decision-making, right? When you get to the end result, the end result is really a function or should be a function of a series of decisions that followed a prudent process. And you really want to examine it's the process that trumps the execution. So I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to talk about decision-making as it relates to the main parts of our practice and the industries that we work with. At the Haney Company, we run what's called a kind of a multi-lines or a full suite service financial agency or financial practice, if you will. Uh, and that means we do everything from employee benefits to retirement plans to personal insurance to PNC insurance. So we have a, a diversity of financial instruments or products, if you will, that, that we bring to the table on behalf of our clients. 
But our f- concentration of our practice is really in three main areas. The first one and the largest one, um, that's probably over 85% of our practice is concentrated in the association marketplace. And so the co-founder and president of our company, uh, my father, Alan, has been in the association marketplace for over 40 years, probably knows about as much about associations as he does about financial products and services. And so we have a, a special frame of reference and, and desire to really see associations and the community thrive and to be a resource and a contributor to the continued success of associations in the country and internationally. Associations are amazing organizations designed specifically to benefit their members. That's what an association is all about. If you look at the history of associations, why do people even associate? Why do people join a membership organization? It's because the organization represents something greater than the sum of its parts, and does things significantly for its members that the members probably could not accomplish on their own. What a great industry to be a part of. So when we work with associations, we help usually in three main engagement areas. The first one is we work with the association itself And this primarily deals with the people that work for the association. So we'll help establish or optimize the things that the association does for its employees. Uh, And in particular, this primarily looks like the benefits that are offered to employees and also the way that the association needs to protect itself as it operates. Um, the risks that the association faces in operating and doing what it does, it's important that we apply the right forms of insurance protection because, unfortunately, we live in a highly litigious society and things can happen even when we are doing exactly what we should be doing where somebody may level an accusation or bring a lawsuit to the table. And It's really important that you're protected from those risks and that you have the financial means to defend yourself. So these are things that are top of mind for us when we work with associations, protecting it operationally so that way it can be the best association that it can be, and then being an extension of the association's value to its employees. And so the decisions that we make and work with our association clients on deal with how do we provide benefits that... A, are substantive and competitive, and that looks a lot like making sure that we have an understanding of the association's place in the competitive landscape. For example, we have a high concentration of associations headquartered in the Washington, D.C. area, DMV, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, or the Beltway, as we like to call it. And for those in that type of an area, the questions and the decision-making about what do I need to do to compete in the benefits arena to get the best talent, the landscape isn't just, well, you got to make sure that you do what other associations are doing. It's really, you got to be plugged into what the general Washington, D.C. employee marketplace looks like, because that's where you're operating. And that's not just specific to associations and nonprofits. 
the same talented professional that you want to come work for your association could also work for a government contractor or one of the major private industries or Amazon now that it's coming in. And so seeing the totality of that landscape is a better and more important framework to be operating from when you're making benefits decisions than just knowing what your place in the nonprofit part of that space is all about. And that's something that, again, if you're working with somebody and they're trying to help you understand how to optimize and maximize the benefits that you offer to employees, the framework you really want to be plugged into is the landscape of your competition. Who are your real competitors? And recognize that in some places of the country, it may not just be people in your own industry. Uh, and so you want to know that. When we look at benefits, the decisions that we're trying to figure out are how do we care for these employees in a meaningful way, right? What is insurance or what is a retirement plan really all about? Well, it's about, hopefully, it should be about, I should say, it should be about providing something that helps the employee's life work better. So it's dealing with life events and it's, again, dealing with people. So benefits are extremely valuable when they take care of some of the most important and critical needs a person may have. Uh, that can look like medical experiences that a family goes through. That can be significant. You want to make sure your benefits, your medical program, cares for the employee as best it can. If they are burdened uh, in a medical situation and it becomes a financial stressor, you know, the likelihood, A, that they're going to perceive what you providing them as, as beneficial and valuable is very low. And they may be now in a vulnerable situation where they can't return to work. So these are things that we want to be thinking about when we're making those types of decisions. You know, what's the real net impact for these employees? How are they going to interact with the benefits that we're providing? That's a very critical question that we ask our clients. How do you want your employees to interact with what you're doing for them? What kind of experience do you want them to be having? When you're making decisions, seeing it with that kind of a framework is going to be far more powerful than just looking at what's the total premium. And so while premium and cost management are extremely important, it's the filter that we make that decision through that matters more. I think the other thing that is important from a professional engagement standpoint, what do we do for our clients as a benefits provider or representative or benefits broker, is we help the employees understand the very benefits that the organizations offer, right? A benefit isn't a benefit unless your employees understand it. If they sign up for something that they have no connection to, then it doesn't really have a lot of meaning for them either. And it can be extremely important that they have it, but if they don't know that, then it may not be having the same impact that you want it to have. And the difference is really not doing more necessarily or providing more. It's helping employees make that connection, helping them understand, educating them, and educating them on their terms in the areas that are important to them. And so that's another critical piece to 
what we do professionally is we stand in the place of mostly an educator and a, and a facilitator of helping your employees, helping the employees of an association understand the value that the association is bringing, and then helping them make effective decisions that are personal, that are centered on wellness, centered on financial well-being, on family well-being, on life well-being. We continue to operate with that philosophy. People don't live to work, they work to live. So we want the relationship that your employees have to you in the benefits arena to be one of excitement and gratitude for what you're providing to them because they see, know, and feel how it's helping them live a better life. Same thing's true when it comes to how do we structure a retirement program, which is another major thing that we do with associations and also private businesses. How do you help employees successfully get to that stage in life when they're not working for anybody and they're essentially the CEO of retirement, right? They're working for themselves at that point. That's, that's called self-employment, folks. It's retirement. <laughs> and so retirement plans have to have that type of a goal in mind for a diversity of employee age range, demographic ranges, you know, how do you structure a plan in such a way that's really going to allow um, employees to save and best target uh, that future point in their lives when, you know, they won't have that employer-employee relationship? And again, that's another element to how you work with a professional. Uh, if somebody's helping you operate a retirement plan, I think the most important thing that person can be doing for you is making sure the employees themselves feel confident about saving for retirement, confident about how to make that effective decision, uh, and that they understand enough about what they're doing in order to use the plan to the, to, to the maximum benefit. Assessing it, making sure that it's cost-effective, making sure that it has you know, the right type of investment points, those are all critical points. But if you do all that and you don't educate your employees, you're still missing it. So we really try to take that type of a role. How do we look at everything that's being provided to an employee by the organization itself, by the association, and connect it back to helping each employee make effective decisions? Taking financial stress off the table as much as one can take it off the table through those benefits is a huge way we act as professionals on behalf of our association clients. Second arena that we work for associations is really at a more uh, executive, what might be called a C-suite or senior level. And that's where we're doing a lot of planning and consulting for the more senior staff and the executive level roles, a CEO, CFO, et cetera. Because very often those roles, A, have pretty unique contracts that apply to the organization. And certainly unique financial needs that go beyond maybe the general employee population at large. And our job there is to really help both the executive as well as the organization optimize and maximize those roles and their contracts. A lot of times we'll be examining the contract an executive has with its association and making sure that all of the things that are in that contract are satisfied financially. Uh, maybe it's insurance, or maybe helping executives negotiate certain parts of the contract because they need to take advantage of certain forms of protection. And 
maybe it looks like carving out a particular program for a subset of employees that are, you know, maybe considered uh, more valuable, uh, more highly compensated, creating a special program that will make sure that those people critical to the success of the association stay for a longer period of time. A lot of people call these golden handcuff programs, but, you know, the programs aren't effective if they're not structured to meet the needs of those senior people. Uh, And that really looks like what are the senior people going to consider valuable? I think this is one of the things a lot of organizations miss. They don't perceive what their intended audience sees as valuable, or at least there's a, there's a disconnect. An association can say, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is valuable all it wants to, if the person you're trying to attract and keep around doesn't agree with you, then it really doesn't matter. So we really always want to take the approach of what's your audience, what are they going to find as valuable, and how can we structure things to link up that way so that way we know these executive benefits or these contracts or these programs that we ultimately put in place will have the intended results, which is your employees will be more loyal, they'll be more grateful, they'll stay with you for a longer period of time, and everybody wins in that situation. The third thing that we can do with associations is we can help develop programs for their members. A lot of times this is called affinity programs as the common word, but it's really, it's, it's, it's a member benefit program. And that's something that, you know, we talk about when it, when it comes to the power of A is, you know, associations being great for their members and for the subsequent industries at large that their members operate in. And so we take an approach that looks at, you know, again, what do those members need and want? And what are the things that an association can extend that optimize and line up with the value proposition of the existing association. Sometimes member programs don't work because when they're set up, they weren't done in such a way as to see if the members would perceive it as valuable. Or let's say let's say the nature uh, of an association, the biggest value that the members get from it is their advocacy role. Well, it could be a big change for them to then turn around and say, we're going to offer you an insurance program. We want you to buy it from us. Members might not respond well to that because they don't understand why the insurance program lines up with their advocacy. So just making sure that whatever it is you're doing for your members fits what you do as an association in general is critical. And then the other things that we will follow through on as you develop that program Once you determine that these things do line up, can be considered an extension of your value proposition, of your member value proposition, then you want to figure out what's the best way to ensure your members, you know, buy these types of things or or, or engage you with these programs and see value over the long term. Uh, You don't ever want to set something up and have only a 12, 18 to 24 month window that you're going to assess it and determine whether it's successful or not. You know, any member program needs to be assessed over at least a three to five year period and given that much time to make sure that it does work. And so we're always in it for the long haul. And again, that's what you want to look at when it comes to how you partner with somebody. I hope you enjoyed this episode on associations and how we work with them. If you want any more information about what we talked about specifically, or maybe even just have some general questions about 
insurance benefits or any of the financial elements of your association, or maybe even want just a second set of eyes on what you have going on, you can contact us at thehaneycompany.com or find us on Twitter at The Haney Company. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us online at thehaneycompany.com or on Twitter at The Haney Company. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC.